This is Pave It Black. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Pave It Black. My name is Richard Willis. And I'm Brett Williams. And we're continuing on with season three of the podcast, where we're focusing on technology and innovation. Right now, if you look at the country, there's a general push and growing interest in the topic of sustainability and being more environmentally friendly. And whether that's coming from your local community or now from the federal government, we start, have to start thinking about how is this going to impact our industry? One of the topics related to our industry that's becoming a lot more prevalent when we're thinking about being energy conscious is the concept of electrification. When I think about electrification of vehicles, I think there's really two main questions that kind of come up for me. And one is first relating to highway funding, just thinking about the fact that most of the funding that we use to build and maintain our roads comes from gas taxes. So if we move towards electrification, how's that gonna impact our highway funding or road funding? And then the second piece that I think would be interesting to really learn more about or think more about is what the construction industry or the asphalt industry can really do to prepare for electrification of fleet vehicles or equipment that we use on our job sites and to complete our work. So to talk to us today about electrification, we've had his sons on the podcast, we've had his daughter on the podcast. So today we finally get to talk to Dan Gallagher, the patriarch of the family. Dan, welcome to Pave It Black. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? First, the patriarch makes me feel like I'm really old now. <laughs> I think of my father. So, uh, uh, like I said, Dan Gallagher, Gallagher Asphalt. We're third generation going on fourth. You mentioned uh, my son and daughter being on uh, past uh, podcasts. We're excited about the fourth generation. Currently, we have four of the fourth generation in the business. Two of them actually drive electric vehicles. So, we uh, were located in the south suburbs of Chicago. We have four plants, asphalt plants, and uh, it's a great place to be. So Dan, I, I remember meeting you at one of the first NAPA meetings I was at, and we were, we were talking and somehow the conversation, I think it, it was my interest or I had asked about electric vehicles. I had heard that um, you had one. And right away, I could see you had a passion and knowledge on the topic. And I guess I just was interested to learn maybe a little bit of like, what drew you to electric vehicles? So it was actually coming out of church one Sunday, walking through the lot and I pointed to the, a Tesla and I didn't know it. I just said, oh, that's a nice looking car. And my son says, oh, that's a Tesla, that's electric. And I said, oh, uh, interesting. You mean like the hybrid? And he goes, no, it's all electric. I said, seriously? He goes, yeah. After about five minutes of looking the car over, we walked back to my car, got in, I sat there and he goes, where are you going to go? I said, no, I want to see who come, who's driving that. And uh, an older gentleman walks out. So I said, let's go talk to him. So we get out and we start talking to him. And like any Tesla owner, we get really enthusiastic about our vehicle. We talked for at least 20 minutes and uh, telling me all about uh, Elon's mission and the car and how great it is. And so I thanked him. I said, okay, take enough of your time. I uh, appreciate it. And he goes, oh no, you got to go for a ride now. So he literally leaves his wife in the church parking lot and takes me and my son and his friend. We get in the car and we go for a ride. And when he pulled out and uh, the acceleration and everything else, I said, wow, this, this could really work. So that was, I guess, what clinched it for me was for the next year and a half or something, 
And this, for any listener who wants to get a Tesla, but your spouse may not be fully on board, this is the way you do it. For like a year and a half, I YouTubed every video I could find <laughs> on Tesla. And uh, it was fairly new back then. I, you know, they started, I think, in 2012, and uh, I ended up getting one in 2015. But I, I researched it to death because I really didn't think that I could drive an electric vehicle. I always drove like an SUV or a pickup truck. This was a sedan, and it was only electric. So I thought, okay, I drive to Springfield quite a few times a, day, a year, you know, Peoria, different places up to Wisconsin. And so I literally started clocking where I was driving and where the supercharging stations were and everything else and came to the conclusion, yeah, I think I can make this work. And I tell you, I haven't regretted it once. Um, it's, it's just a phenomenal car. And I, it has convinced me that electric is a future. And like anything else, I mean, that uh, has lived long enough to see uh, from records to CDs to streaming to from VHS to DVDs to streaming. I mean, technology just moves very rapidly. And from what we're seeing now in battery technology, uh, we're going we're gonna to see the same sort of thing. My car would charge to 250 on range. Now they're coming out with over 400 miles an hour. Probably in the next year, we'll probably hit 500 miles an hour or 500 mile range. We have five Teslas here total. Our CFO has one, quality control guy bought one. My two boys have gotten one. Anybody who gets into it, it's like, wow, this really can work. And so we have charging stations here at the office, uh, can charge at home. I definitely see this um, expanding beyond, you know, commercial, the residential vehicle, say passenger vehicle to commercial. They're coming out with pickup trucks probably in the next year or so. I have four of those on order. To be uh, transparent, I actually have four on order because I kept refreshing and the next morning I found out I reserved four. <laughs> so it uh, wasn't totally on purpose, but after I realized I had reserved four, I started thinking about it. I thought this could be a great work truck. It's going to have outlets in it so that if you have to run any power tools, you can uh, just plug in. Um, I don't know how many times I go up to job sites and guys leave their trucks running because they're in and out of them all day. It was a good step for our industry to transition into electric vehicles. Um, I also have two of the semis on order. Again, I, I think that uh, there could be a lot of advantages in that area also. Where do you see the impacts of electrification really changing um, your business the most? Well, from experience, I guess so far, I mean, uh, service-wise, there's less mechanical parts on it. So I, I think servicing the vehicles will be easier. Fueling, instead of having someone run the trucks uh, and fueling them at night for the next day, I could foresee just having uh, charging stations where the drivers come in at night and park the vehicle and they're ready to go the next morning. Our industry is pretty good because we don't have any real long hauls. Uh, it's all short haul uh, during the day. So it's easily within the range of a battery so that every day they're fully charged and ready to go. It's going to make believers out of the truck drivers. I mean, everybody's kind of slow to change. You know, that when we start, start getting in the automatics, a lot of the guys was, no, I don't want an automatic. I want manual, uh, traditional. Now everybody's kind of gotten to where they like the automatic and, you know, the semi is going to be just like my car. It's just going to have a smooth uh, acceleration. Uh, the regenerative braking, when you release the uh, throttle or the gas, whatever you want to call it, 
it has regenerative braking, so it automatically starts to, to slow down. That is a feature that really grows on you as you drive them. Uh, less wear and tear on the brakes. So I've got 120,000 miles and my brakes are still good. I could see it getting into other areas. It's probably further out, need further advancements in charging and battery technology, but I could see um, a day that more and more of the construction fleet, rollers, pavers, whatever, uh, will be electric, particularly rollers. Just trying to figure out how, if it'll be a battery swap or if you'll actually charge somehow in the field. But What do you think some of the other considerations that businesses would be needing to be aware of in terms of uh, infrastructure purchases, such as like the charging, like you kind of mentioned, but then are there even programs like tax incentives or other things that um, might be good to um, be aware of as a business owner when you're considering some of this um, technology or electrification? There probably is a better chance of having some kind of incentive program with the Biden administration than uh, we may have had under Trump administration, but there's many times state and federal incentives for vehicles. I think on the cars, they did it um, for number of incentives for uh, the sale of vehicles. Tesla sold out, so now they don't have the incentive because they've sold enough vehicles. But I would assume that they may do that in the area of semis also. Infrastructure-wise, because they always come back to the, the home site every night i think it's it makes it easier for us i mean they they plan to put in infrastructure that for over the road that you could stop and charge but um for us it's particularly you know if you're if your site is a plant site there's plenty of power there typically because of asphalt plants you'd be charging off peak so there's incentives a lot of times for charging off peak plus the fact that you're not running your plant typically at night it could be a good fit from that standpoint, but you'd have to uh, you'd have to set up a bank of charging areas for for that. I think it outweigh the, the downside. I think it would be a benefit putting that in and not having the challenges of fueling all the trucks, uh, the time taken to fuel them. That you know you just park them and no oil changes, uh, brakes last longer, like I mentioned. So I'm thinking that it's going to prove itself. And I'm not real big on incentives. I mean, I think the technology needs to really prove itself out. There's definitely a, a mass movement now in the industry of developing the, the batteries and everything that it's going to take to do this and enough interest, I think, from the public that it it's going to continue to move in that direction. Have you looked at like economy, like um, comparing like dollar to dollar driving a vehicle of similar to driving a vehicle that's powered by electric as far as like what the what the economies of driving on electricity are. Um, do you see savings? For me, definitely uh, cost per mile just on the charging versus gas is cheaper. So that's probably something around a third or so. But if you look at overall cost because of the price of the vehicle when I bought it, it it's not it doesn't make sense from that standpoint. Uh, I'd say that this is more of a case of early adoption and it's a proof of concept that I think has been proven now and I haven't done it, but the Model 3 and Model Y, which are more reasonably priced, uh, those you probably could run a case and see where it makes more sense um, and it's less expensive than a traditional vehicle, particularly if, you know, in a case like ours. We support sustainability and uh, we have a number of charging spots here at the office and at other locations 
So if an employee has one, it's kind of fun how you end up texting and say, hey, you done charging it? I want to plug in, uh, unlock so I can you know grab the plug. So it, if you end up having an employer that allows you to charge, that's going to even make it more advantageous, I guess, uh, and a better return on investment. I know just from my travels, um, there's apps that you can use to find charging locations and not all of them are, you know, Tesla dedicated. And many a times um, they're free. Um, I just heard Toyota was coming out with a battery they say can charge in 15 minutes. They're continuing to push uh, the price down. So as that's the most expensive part of the vehicle is the uh, battery. So as they drive that that down, it's it's really going to flip the, the cost savings. So while, while we've talked a lot about just electrification in general, let's get to something that's pretty important for our, our industry as kind of we start to wrap this up. One of the, the goals that Biden has as president is to basically turn the entire federal fleet of cars electric. As more and more cars are moving towards electric, how do we need to start looking at funding our highway program as even though it's an antiquated method and even though it hasn't been updated since the fugitive was the number one movie at the box office we get most of our revenues from gas tax are we going to be moving towards more user-based fees or um, as bigger trucks move into this realm how do we ensure that they generate some funding to help keep our roads in a state of good repair how do we need to look at this moving forward I'm really optimistic that there's there's a lot of good options for paying for the roads through some kind of a user fee. So in Illinois, I remember, you know, as we were trying to get a gas tax passed, I was explaining, I said, you've got to come up with something for charging electric vehicles. I said, one, you incentivize me by a rebate to buy electric vehicle, and then, then you don't charge me any gas tax. I said, that it's great for me, but it doesn't pay for the roads. I said, you need to come up with a system. So the last go around here for Illinois, they raised the car registration. I believe in California, they've worked with Tesla where Tesla can track the miles you're putting on and then report that. You know, there's a lot of concerns about Big Brother watching, but as a society, we, you know, slowly begin to realize that we, we give a lot of information out every day carrying an iPhone around um, everybody knows where you're at at any time of the day, pretty much. We could do it either where they could track the vehicle, uh, may not know particularly who owns it, so it doesn't tie too closely to personal privacy issues. But the advantage of you know being able to track a vehicle's use, so if here in Illinois, we have toll roads. If I'm driving on the tollway, I don't have to pay a fee maybe for that because I'm already paying a toll. So why should I have to pay a gas tax too? So you could you could actually start getting more specific about where you're charging, and if uh, maybe if I'm driving through a neighborhood Homewood, they maybe they could actually dedicate some dollars just to Homewood because they can tell who's driving through the town or something. But it'll give a lot of options in that ways. But that's a lot further down the down the road. No pun intended. I think initially. Uh, they can do it creatively just by increasing registration or having um, vehicles checked where you turn in your mileage. But I, I think the best is just through the use of technology and having the car automatically report mileage. The, the technology is there. It's just probably more so of the public accepting the use of that technology. 
I really appreciate your time and your insight into, into this topic. I think it was definitely an interesting discussion and really appreciate you sharing some of your perspective on it. Well, I just encourage any of your uh, listeners that haven't uh, driven one is to, uh, to give it a try. I have no range anxiety. It, it, it is amazing. So jump in. It's, it's a lot of fun. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, thank you, yeah, Dan. Good talking to you guys. Hopefully we get to see each other in person uh, before too long. That'd be good. I think there, there are two things that I really took away from this. The first is that technology is advancing. And the cars that we're looking at today in two years' time or three years' time are going to be completely different in terms of the, the technology which is available. I mean, think back over the last 20 years and what's happened to a cell phone and how much longer batteries can last now, how much more capability they have. The same people or the same types of people who were advancing that technology are trying to do the same thing for batteries and for, for safety with these cars today. The other side of it is we're going to have to get creative about our highway funding in the future. If you think about taking the entire entire government fleet off the road and removing that gas tax, that's a massive amount uh, of money. Um, And as more and more people are buying these vehicles, yeah, I guess we could charge them at registration. Most people are used to user fees. I mean, you pay one on your cell phone bill, you pay one on your, your cable or your internet bill, but it's are we paying people proportionately to what they're, they're using? It would be advantageous for some of those cities to, if you use their roads, to actually pay them for their use instead of, say, I, I fill up at home and I drive 400, or 400 miles and only my city or get those dollars instead of the other towns and, and maybe even states um, that I completely bypass not filling up there. And so... It's that challenge of then, are we comfortable with sharing this da- these data? There are a lot of, I think, kind of societal questions and conversations that need to happen to probably move us into the place where we may need to be in the near future. Yeah, I agree. I think the technology will open a lot of opportunities, but it also leaves us in a position where we have some, some change and uh, we just have to be creative and think about how best to really approach these challenges and these opportunities as they come. We just want to thank everyone again for being here with us today. My name is Richard Willis. And I'm Brett Williams. We just want you to remember, as you're driving around America's highways, someone from our industry paved it black. Pave It Black is produced by Monica Dutcher of the National Asphalt Pavement Association with podcast theme music credits to Colleague. You can find Pave It Black on most of your favorite platforms, including SoundCloud and iTunes. If you would like to suggest someone for us to interview, please email Richard Willis at rwillis at asphaltpavement.org. That's R-W-I-L-L-I-S at asphaltpavement.org. Until next time, Keep paving it black.